Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pursuing Greatness Podcast, a place where experts share their wisdom on living well by mastering your health, your wealth, your relationships, and your spirit. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone the best way to support the show is simply to share this episode with your friends and family. Also, if you want to learn more about Mastering Life, go to our website at pursuinggreatnesspodcast.com. With that said, I hope you enjoy the episode. We have a very special guest with us today, so grab your pen and paper and enjoy the journey. All right, we are live with another episode of the Pursuing Greatness podcast. Today we have with us Tyler Menez. Men- Sorry, Tyler, I think I just screwed up. Menezes, it's okay. Menezes. <laughs> I thought I had that right going into this and I totally botched it, but it's all right. Um, Tyler is with us. He is the executive director at CodeBay, a nonprofit which provides opportunities for underserved students to explore a future in tech. He is a former programmer, and by the age of 20, he'd already published papers with Microsoft Research and raised nearly a million dollars for a tech startup from leading investors before deciding to leave tech to work in education nonprofits. I am very excited to have Tyler here. Tyler, thank you for hopping on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We always start here at Pursuing Greatness with stories because we like to hear how people kind of got to where they are today. Um, I've heard you had a great story. So why don't you take us back to the beginning before you knew how to program? Tell us how you got from where you were to where you are today. Yeah. So for me, I think the story of uh, how I got interested in programming actually started when I was a super, super miserable, uh, like 10 year old. Uh, and like, I think I, I think I may have actually been clinically depressed. I, like my parents couldn't get me out of bed to go to school most days. Um, I was living in uh, Spokane, Washington, not, not even the city, like an hour outside of it. I was going to a, a school called East Farms Elementary. And I was like super, super miserable. I had no friends, no interest, no hobbies. Small town, small town. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had been around computers uh, for a while. Uh, my, my dad, you know, worked in like networking. Um, so it wasn't like completely out of the blue that I might be interested in programming, but I actually had zero interest for my entire childhood. Like I, I really was not interested in that. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so one day I was actually going to a library um, with my family and I found this book that had a picture of a slot machine on the front. And I, again, you know, I was 10, so I didn't actually really know what a slot machine was. Um, but it looked really cool. And so I see this book that has this like really, really cool looking picture of something on it. And I'm like, you know, wow, this is a book about how I can make something uh, like this. Like it was a, it turned out to be a a book about programming in visual basic. And, you know, again, I'm a 10 year old, so I don't know what a slot machine is. I don't know what visual basic is, but the idea of getting into programming, um, so that I could make something like that. It w- you know, it was a really exciting and cool and like it completely opened my my mind to this idea that like I have the power to do something. I'm not just this, you know, this super miserable kid who has to sort of bear bear through this. So it gave you um, kind of competence uh, a way forward into your future. Yeah, I, I, like agency, right? Like the ability to to shape the world in some way. And so, I mean, you know, sort of long story short on that is like I convinced my parents to to check out the book. Uh, I don't think I could read the book that well <laughs> by the by for the age that I was at. But you know, I, I sort of struggled through it. I got some help with my parents, um, neither of whom were particularly competent programmers either, by the way. But like, you know, we we kind of struggled through it together, and that's what really kind of set me down this path. And so. 
that really kind of revolutionized the, you know, the life I was living, like all of a sudden I had this thing I was interested in, um, ended up moving to Seattle a little bit later and, and met a lot more people, I think, than I would have met going to East Farms Elementary that were interested in this. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, sort of went through that whole thing. I think I, I took the sort of stereotypical, like, college dropout startup founder route of like, I, you know, I did moderately okay in school, went to college, went to University of Washington for uh, like a year and a half or two years. Uh, that's, that's my, that's my college yeah. right there. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and then, yeah, you know, dropped out, went to start a tech startup and um, uh, we got accepted to a program called Y Combinator, um, which mm-hmm. is sort of like one of the leading tech uh, investment groups. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe them exactly, but they, you know, they were the ones that sort of funded the initial Reddit, Dropbox, Airbnb. Um, my YC batch, we had Coinbase and Instacart, um, wow. Soylent randomly, the like uh, milk <laughs> replacement drink. My friends um, love Soylent. I keep looking at it. I'm like, dude, come on. It's just liquid. You got to eat real food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should have seen it back in, at the time that I was, I was going through uh, YC, it was like, you know, they would bring in these boxes just full of mysterious looking white powder. Uh, <laughs> you're like, no, that's not food. Yeah, that's 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 not getting through the TSA either. That was, I think, that was one of my concerns. <laughs> that's a good point. But uh, but yeah, so you know, I I'd, I'd done this um, this tech startup, and and I think that it really aligned with a lot of my interests in in technology. Uh, you know, I, I was getting to build the cool, you know, the cool technology things. I was getting to to do the entire, you know, like everything you saw in the TV shows or movies or whatever, you know, the entire Silicon Valley TV show, um, like that, basically that, um, I, that wasn't out at the time. So like, it was sort of later that I realized how much of a parody of a life I had, I'd been kind of living in Silicon Valley, but, um, you know, everything that you see in the show was, was very much true. And it ended out that, um, after this three month Y Combinator program, we managed to raise about a million dollars from um, some of the leading tech investors at the time. Uh, one of the, the biggest ones was a guy named Pejman Nozat, who uh, was one of the first investors in Dropbox, uh, notably passed on Facebook and some other ones too. So we'd raised a bunch of money for this tech startup. Um, but I think for me, it just felt very meaningless. And it was kind of the same as when I was doing school or when I was doing... Um, uh, you know, when I was working at, at companies as well, like it just, it was fun. I was doing work that I enjoyed, but it didn't really feel like it was making as much of a difference. And I, I think as much as everyone in Silicon Valley loves to talk about how they're changing the world, you know, and, and making the world a better place. It's, you know, a lot of time it is a buzzword. We were doing, uh, at the end of it, we were basically focused on streaming video technology. And there are some cool things that you can do with that, but it's streaming video technology. And so, I decided to leave that company, you know, move back to Seattle um, and join this sort of tech startup that I'd been a volunteer for, for like four or five years um, doing tech education and really try to take it from this weird part-time thing that was being run by some, some students, all of whom were at UW. Um, so go Huskies, <laughs> but uh, you know, take it from this, this part-time thing being run by some UW students into uh, you know, growing it into really a nationwide thing because it, it seemed like it really had the promise to, to do the same thing for other students that I had had, which is help them have that moment where they see that book with a picture of the slot machine and say, I can build that. Um, you know, that, that was really the focus of, of what we do. And so 
having the opportunity to bring that to other people just like really, really called to me enough that I was willing to, you know, leave this, this job and, you know, uh, take a much less lucrative job in the, you know, in the nonprofit industry and, and hopefully help bring this to other people. And, and so in the time since I joined, that was about 2013 that I joined that company. And, uh, you know, I, since then we've taken it to 55 cities around the world, uh, about, um, 55,000 students have gone to physical in-person events, you know, like we're buying them pizza. Like they, wow. you know, they, it's not just some sort of online, like, Oh, they finished a course or something like that. Um, now it is obviously, I think with COVID-19, everything is, but, um, you know, we've, we've been able to, to bring uh, a lot of joy and, and sort of transform the lives of a lot of students who are, you know, college dropouts or, um, like low income students who don't have a computer at home, things like that to people who are now in the tech industry. So, you know, it's been a really cool job, but, um, it's been a really cool journey, but you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. Awesome. No, I, I love it. And I like how your, your path kind of started out. Um, from that one book, from that one moment that uh, the visual basic book that you found in the library out there in Spokane, um, would you say it's fair to say, did your parents at all, did they like push you in the direction? Did they kind of notice that you had an inclination for programming, anything like that? And then they're like, hey, Tyler, keep, you know, this is good. Keep going down this path. This is a good way to go. I, I had actually, I think they had given up on me at that point. Um, I, I know that my parents again, like, I don't think that they were a, a stranger to technology. My dad sort of worked on networking, but he wasn't really a programmer. And he realized that computers were a cool thing and were probably becoming a bigger thing. And he tried to push me toward it, but I just was not interested until that moment. Um, I think, I mean, I think that's true of a lot of people, right? Like whenever your parents try to push you towards something, uh, you know, it, it's generally not the thing that you're interested in. At least that's what we see with a lot of our students too. It's, you know, it's that moment when you find something out for yourself, when, when you realize, wow, this is what I want to do. Like, it, it's just hard to force that onto people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I found that with myself and with uh, many people who come on the show, they've, they've kind of had this moment where they, they found something that was kind of resonating in their, in their own being and their own self, and they had to follow that path. Um, and generally, when it comes from the outside, it's uh, it doesn't really work. If parents are telling you to do something, um, it doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't resonate as well. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you kind of had you had that moment when you were when you were younger in Spokane. Um, you know, you liked what you liked this coding thing. You were kind of following down that path, and you had the moment again. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit after when you were in the Y Combinator, you guys had already raised that money. You were living your dream, the the Silicon Valley dream. Um, but something was missing. It sounds like there was, you just, you felt, you felt it to be a little bit meaningless. There, there wasn't the, the, the core essence of what it is that you were trying to um, achieve there. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, again, it's, it's cool to build technology that empowers, you know, enterprises to do enterprise things. Um, And, and for some people, I think that is what they want, but for me, uh, it just was never really something that connected with me as much as I, I kind of wanted it to, right. I, like I really wanted this to be the thing that I wanted to do. I enjoy the work of programming a lot more than I think, you know, running a nonprofit is kind of sending emails and talking on the phone all day. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it just doesn't, you know, it, it just didn't feel meaningful in the same way. So a lot of people, when they, you know, they're kind of going down a path. Um, you know, I like that you went from, a Microsoft job, essentially, you know, a, a tech job, you, you're making a lot of money. You know, I used to work at Microsoft. I've seen salaries. It's absurd. Yeah. 
And so, and you went, you went from that, you took the leap into nonprofit, which is a huge pay cut. Um, I've heard so many people when I was working in corporate, so many people were like, you know, I would, I don't like what I'm doing. Um, but I'm just, you know, I have the golden handcuffs on. I can't, I can't make the leap. Take us back to the moment when you were kind of, you know, you realize this is not for me. This is not the path that I need to be on. I need to make a change. Um, was there any fear when it came to reducing your salary like that or, or take us to the moment when you made the leap? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think for me, you know, I was sitting in our, our very nice like Soma office. I think we had like a view of like the AT&T park or now it's Oracle park or whatever, like the, the ballpark. It was like beautiful, like classic Silicon Valley office. Um, and we were just kind of like talking about the future of where we wanted this to go. You know, this company that we were, we were building the streaming technology. Um, and I think at some point we just sort of all were realized that we were on a completely different page. Um, and so the other two co-founders, um, Paul and Vu and myself, like the other two of them were, were still pretty committed to, to trying to build this into something, but they just wanted to sort of see, you know, what was going to be the most lucrative path that we could go down with the startup. And I was sitting there thinking like, you know, I'm not really happy with any of this. Um, I think that, it, it doesn't really matter what, you know, what path is going to be the most, you know, potentially viable monetarily or anything like that in the short term or the long term or whatever else. Like it just, it, it feels like we could be doing something much cooler with our time now. And I think when it, when it became obvious to me that, you know, they weren't on the same page, it was when I was like, oh, wow, like not everyone feels this way. This is, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> And so I think within the course of, you know, like a, a two hour conversation, we sort of just decided that, you know, I'm going to leave, I'm going to move back to, to Seattle. Um, I took kind of a week off, uh, but it was, you know, it was pretty much immediate. Like, you know, I, I took a week to just kind of hang out, like uh, sort of ramp down whatever things I still had that were related to the company, transition that over. Uh, and then I packed everything up into my car and uh, drove uh, the 14 hours from San Francisco back to Seattle um, I had, I had some money saved up, but you know, I mean, it was like, we were working at a startup, so we were paying ourselves. Okay. We were paying ourselves, um, you know, I think it was like 40 or 50 K a year. So it was like, not bad. San Francisco doesn't go as far, but yeah, I was going to say San um, Francisco, that's like $15,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, I mean, it was like, I had a tiny bit of money saved up, but it was, it was definitely really, you know, it was a, a pretty scary opportunity. And, and, um, I think in my head, at the moment that I was leaving, I was like, oh, you know, I'll probably get another tech job, hopefully something a little bit more interesting up in Seattle. But, you know, I mean, the first place I went when I when I got back to Seattle was to the offices of this nonprofit that that I'd been volunteering for, uh, for on and off for like three or four years at that point. And uh, I was like, hey, like, can I just can I get a desk here for for a while? Like you got some empty space. Like, can I set up my computer here? Um and, uh, you know, and they, and they were like, yeah. And then the, the, um, executive director at the time, um, Edward, who is, you know, I'd been around since the very beginning. So I'd known him pretty well. He, he tried to convince me for like three or four months to join this nonprofit. And I was like, Edward, I don't know, but, um, eventually sort of wore me down and, and I took this job and, you know, I mean, it, I think at the time that I started working here, uh, we were paying ourselves minimum wage, uh, as if we were working 20 hours a week. Um, which we were not. Yeah. Uh, so that was, you know, I mean, that was like, it was a very scary sort of like, oh yeah, like I need to, we need to figure out how we're going to get sponsorships as soon as possible so that we can actually like do this as a thing. 
you know, without like maxing out our credit cards or whatever else it is that people do in, in startups, because we're not, you know, nonprofit is not lucrative enough that we're ever going to have the chance of paying that back if that happens. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that, that would have been, uh, money is, is a source of many people's fears. And I can only imagine where, where you were like emotionally, where you were at the time, you know, you just left your job, you had a bunch of money. Now you don't have any money and you even have less money because you're paying yourself so little um, working at the at a nonprofit like that, um, but it's awesome that you got you made the leap. You you left your job from San Francisco. You made that drive up to Seattle. I'm sure many thoughts were going through your head. That's a that's a 16 12 hour drive, whatever it yep. is. Um, and since then, it sounds like it's been going pretty well. You guys, uh, you know, 2013 is when you launched uh, um, your business up here, Code Day. And now you guys are in 55 cities with 55,000 students, which is an awesome accomplishment. Um, where do you see it going into the future now that you've kind of, you've made the transition, you've already been here, you, you've been on this path since 2013, so seven years. Um, did I do that math right? Yes, I did. Yeah, it uh, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 going into the future? Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like seven years, but... Um, yeah, so I think that there's, there's two things, right? Like in the short term, we want the opportunity to reach more students. I think that for, um, you know, for a lot of students, one technology really provides this opportunity to be, um, you know, to have agency, right. To, to be able to affect the world. And the cost is not that great. I mean, we can give someone a $55 Chromebook and they can build a website that, you know, thousands of people use, um, that's really cool if you're a low income, you know, kid living in like Boca Raton, Florida, or something like that, where we've had, we've seen a lot of those sort of students. Um, and then too, I mean, aside from the effect, the ability to to do that on a personal level, I think there's a lot of people who don't have a, a voice in technology. And with how important technology is to the future, you know, if you're again low income students, I think uh, get left out a lot from these conversations. But if you go talk to some some people who who come from that background they don't even have many apps that they're using because most of the apps are built for people who have a lot more money than they do. Um, what sort of things could we be building for them to, to completely shape the world? I have no idea. They do. Um, so I, I think that we definitely want to continue to expand our work in bringing this uh, opportunity to learn about technology, to find that passion and to see how it can be creative to more people. Um, but then separately from that, we also want to, uh, you know, potentially in, in five or 10 years or something like that, try the same model on things that aren't just technology. Because again, a lot of what we're focused on is just trying to help students find a passion because when people find that passion, they are very driven. And I think that a lot, in a lot of ways, the way that schools are set up right now is, you know, sort of designed to kind of beat that passion out of you. Um, you know, not find anything that you're excited about and then just go down a traditional, you know, industrialized early 19th century career path, yep. uh, early 20th century career path. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of opportunities for us to do things like this that are not just uh, computer science as well. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, that's a little bit further down the road. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I am a, a huge fan of what you guys are doing. So um, you got my support for sure. Uh, we are nearing the end of the episode. We've already blazed through our 20-minute allotment, so I have to sure. push us into the quick question round. Absolutely. Um, but thank you for sharing everything that you've shared so far. It's, uh, it's, it sounds like you have a great story, or I, I really enjoyed your story, and I'm sure everybody else uh, listening and, and watching has as well. Um, which brings us to the quick question round. So this is going to be quick questions. You give quick answers. I'm actually going to start with a question 
that I generally don't answer or ask. So if you want to give a little bit longer of an answer, go ahead. Um, and this one is about business because you're talking that that's what you're here to talk about. And a lot of people, um, you've already mentioned people who are, who don't have as much money out there who are looking for ways to kind of, you know, develop a skill that can, that can bring them money. And tech is one of those skills. It's one of those skills that, um, you can, you can learn without having a huge upfront cost. Yep. So if you were to say, go to uh, an inner city kid, somebody who doesn't have any money, doesn't have huge options in the future, who needs to have some sort of income um, and give them one piece of advice when it comes to the tech sector, how would you go about uh, coaching that person to, you know, I, I love, uh, I love that you say that you want to, you know, push people into their passion. Um, but when you don't have any money, it's really difficult to follow a passion. So if somebody were to not have money and um, using tech as a way to bring in income, how would you go about coaching them to do that? Yeah, I think that there's there's three steps. One is you need to get a laptop somehow. Um, th- that is actually easier now because of the pandemic. There's a lot more resources because everyone needs one for, for virtual uh, schooling and things like that. So you need to have a laptop. That's the unfortunate reality of it. But luckily, the cost of that is, you know, relatively low if you're getting a used one. You need to have some idea of what you want to build. I This is a personal belief of mine. I think that people learn better when they're working towards something. So it doesn't necessarily matter what it is, but you have some idea of something that could conceivably make some amount of money, could be used by someone, doesn't matter exactly what, but something in your head that you want to build. And then the third step is to just start trying to make progress toward that. A lot of people focus on trying to take classes or like read books or take notes on things and stuff like that. That might work for some people, but I don't think it works for as many of us as we do. You just got to have a, have an idea and just get started. Try to make progress toward it. Struggle, struggle, struggle. And eventually you get somewhere. I like it. So start with a laptop, then come up with an idea and then iterate until you find something that works. And I think that's how many successful companies get started. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, all right. Now we're going into the actual quick question round. Sure. It always starts with habits. Habits are the foundation of our life. So if you could point to one habit in your own life that you feel has contributed the most to your success today, what would that habit be? Waking up early uh, and taking the morning to read, study, um, understand what's going on in the world. Early morning rising. I like that one. Um, next one, and this is about books. I'm a huge bookie. So if you could point to one or two books, actually one for general wisdom and one for the topic that you're talking about. So business coding, anything like that. Uh, for business coding, probably hackers and painters by Paul Graham, founder of Y Combinator. Um, he's got a lot of really great advice. Um, general wisdom book. I don't know, like, uh, no, I do. Um, uh, thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman. Ooh, that's a big one. Yes. Um, next question goes into quotes. Uh, I love quotes. So I like to ask people their favorite quote. People have, a lot of guests will have difficulty coming up with the exact words. If you don't have the exact words, don't worry about it. Just give me the, the, the feeling behind that quote. Uh, yeah. Uh, another Paul Graham thing. Um, great, great guy. Um, startups rarely die mid keeps keys. Startups rarely draw die mid keystroke. So keep typing. I like it. I, I like uh, the the essence behind that quote is just don't give up. Just keep trying. You don't um, lose until you give up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, next question is for your younger self. So if you could go back to the Tyler who was, you know, 10 years old, didn't have a lot of motivation, stuck in bed, um, go to him, look at him in the eyes, give him one piece of advice moving forward. 
Uh, I mean, I think if I'm talking to my 10 year old self, it'll get better. I think I'm talking to my 11 year old self who's convinced I want to go into computer programming. The most impactful advice to me probably would have been, you know, what are you going to do if you make $20 million? Um, Because that was kind of what I was focused on for so long was was making all the money that I never stopped to think, oh, what do I actually care about bringing into the world? I love it. Um, And the last question, or actually second last question is about mentors. Uh, Who along your path has um, pushed you in, has, has shaped your, your path the most? Oh, there's so many. Um, I think that maybe, uh, um, I I'm going to give this one to a guy named Kevin Wang, um, who's the founder of the, uh, Teals program, um, at Microsoft. And, uh, they also focus on tech education. Um, and sort of, we were both growing our programs at the same time, had a lot of really good, uh, discussions. Um, and I think together we sort of struggled through to build something that for both of us has impacted a lot of people. Love it. And last question is for the uh, viewers listening and watching. Um, you know, you've given us a lot of advice, uh, a lot of good wisdom. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you and get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, if you Google my name, you'll you'll find my website. My email's on there. I, I have like a public link, even if you want to set up some time to talk or something. I, I'm generally pretty approachable for that. I think that so many people have made an impact on my life that have given me their time. I'm happy to do the same. So um, my website also is tyler.vc. If you can't figure out how to spell my last name, which is pretty pretty common. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, my email's on there. Perfect. And that's uh, tyler.vc. I will put that in the show notes. So if you see the little more but uh, the more button under the description, click that. It'll pop down the whole description. Tyler.vc will be there. Go ahead and click through and say hi to Tyler. Awesome. Tyler, well, again, thank you very much for hopping on the show. I had a blast talking to you. Um, For everybody who is here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason that we do this. So again, thank you for being here. I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week and keep pursuing greatness. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pursuing Greatness podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and got some actionable advice and insights that you can apply to your own life today. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support us, the best way to do so would just be to subscribe to the show and share this episode with your friends and your family. If you'd like to learn more about how to master your life by mastering your health, wealth, relationships, and spirit, head on over to our website at pursuinggreatnesspodcast.com. With that said, I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. Keep living in integrity with yourself. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.